0: Okay. Bismillah. So we're continuing in the book Risarat al Mustarshideen of Imam al Harith al Muhasibi radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who passed away in 243 after Hijra. 243 after Hijra. al Harith al Muhasibi radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Alhamdulillah. I don't know what number session this is. And uh, we'll just keep going until we finish. (laughs) MashaAllah, Sheikh Farhan Zubair, started, they announced today that he's going to do a YouTube class on Mishkat al-Masabi, which is a book of hadith. And they're going to read it and do commentary on it. And just said, it's just going to go as long as it goes. (laughs) I don't know. What do you think, how many sessions is it going to take? you guys covered it right how long did it take a year a year in a summer a year and a summer so how many hours two but how many like 2 hours over 18 months 4 days a week, Four days a week for 18 months <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be a long session mashallah i'm happy to see that I stumbled on some... There's one sheikh I stumbled on his YouTube stuff yesterday. I clicked on one of the playlists that had 1,500-something videos for one for one text. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is great. So I don't know how many sessions were on here. It's less than 20, so alhamdulillah, it's easy. So bismillah. The author says the following... And may Allah give us and him benefit by his knowledge in this life and the next. Amen. He said, we left off on, Niyatuhu afdalu min amalihi Wa amanuhu ablagu <laughs> min qawlihi Mawtinuhu wal haq Wa ma'aqinuhu al hayaa Wa ma'loomuhu wal wara Wa shahiduhu wal له بصائر من النور يبصر بها وحقائق من العلم ينتق بها منها ودلائل من اليقين يعبر عنها ما شاء الله as always ممن muhasibi his words are incredible نيته أفضن من عمله so now he's in this section if you recall he's in this section where he's talking about what is the sign Of a Sadiq? What are the signs of the person who is is true and real in their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And he had mentioned a bunch of things that we ended the last session with. And now he's continuing it. He says, Niyatuhu afdalu min amali. That this person, their intention is better than their deeds. Their intention is better than their deeds. Okay? So you have to sit with that, think about it a little bit. There's one possibility is people get in the habit of doing good things, right? So if they're in the habit of doing good things, and mashallah, they're always doing good, it can be possible that their deeds become better actually than their intentions. Right? The intention becomes non-existent, the intention becomes forgotten about, and it just person just goes, and their deeds, mashallah, are beautiful. But the intention is missing. And we know that the intention is the essence of the deed, right? It's what brings the deed to life. So, uh, uh, how is it? What did Ibn Ata'ilah say? He said, uh, or something like this. That the deeds are like. Outward forms, they're like shells. Deeds are like shells. And what animates them and brings them to life is the secret of sincerity in them. So what is more important actually even than the deed is the quality of the intention that comes behind the deed. Now we know from the basic issue of Islamic studies that you have to have both of these. Right? We have to have a good intention in whatever it is that we're doing. And that starts in the heart. And that rests in the heart. And we know also that whatever deed we're doing It has to be in accordance with the way of the Prophet That's basic Islam 101, right? If you have good intentions without proper deeds It's not accepted with Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala And if you have good deeds but no intention It's also not accepted with Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala But what is the issue here? The issue is we've already assumed that that's happening right? We've already assumed that the person has not only intention to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala But they also have a deed that is acceptable in the way of the Prophet sallallahu wa sallam So what becomes the issue now Is a question of the strength of the intention That's what separates the people, right? That what separates the people is not the deed actually What separates the people is the strength of the heart The strength of the heart is dependent upon how much work has happened To purify the heart from its inadequacies The heart is filled with inadequacies Then those things are like clouds That veil the vision of the heart And they veil the strength of the heart But as those are removed And a person embodies good character And they remove bad qualities from their heart Then the heart is able to be stronger And stronger and stronger So then what happens is Two people now bring themselves Both of them have intention And they're both doing the same thing And they bring themselves to the same deed But one of them, the quality of the intention Is much stronger it's much stronger, right? Because the heart is much stronger. And that's why, as we always mentioned, what is it? what was said about Sayyidina Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu is that what made him different, he had all of the deeds, MashAllah, As we know, Abu Bakr was someone who had all of the deeds from the famous hadith where the Prophet wa sallam, was sitting with the people and he asked them, he said, who has visited a sick person today? Abu Bakr said, I did. He said, who's given charity? This is paraphrasing. He said, who's given charity today? He said, I did. He said, who's followed a janazah today? He said, I did. He mentioned like five, four or five different qualities. And then every, every single one of them, Abu Bakr said, I did this today. I did this today. I did this today. And the Prophet ﷺ said, whoever these things come together in, in them, the paradise is for them. So Abu Bakr had a lot of deeds. And yet, what did they say about Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhum? Was that he didn't surpass the people by his deeds. He surpassed the people he surpassed the people by something that was in his heart the quality of his heart is different so when he brings that quality to what it is that he's doing then it changes it right so what is imam? just so you know people don't think this is some like you know again one of the nice things about an muhasibi is that he's very early right so sometimes people think oh these things they just you know, these Muslims, they just picked on these things later and then they made all this airy-fairy spirituality stuff. And Imam muhasib is very early. And obviously what they're saying about Abu Bakr is very early. That something that was in his heart that made him different. And, and I think it was... Um, I want to say Al-Fudail ibn Iyad, عنه, one of these people from that time. The, again, the very early generations. One or two generations after the Sahaba. عنه, he said that the people... Uh, uh what did, how did it begin he said that the people were uh, yeah they didn't reach what they reached by a lot of fasting and a lot of prayer and a lot of charity even though they did those things they reached what they'd reached because of uh sadr and sakhah al-nafs and al lil that they reached what they reached because they had a clean heart and they had a generous spirit and they gave good counsel to all of the Muslims Now that's how they reached it This is a matter of the heart They reached what they reached by a matter of the heart So when he says afdal min amini, That this person this, The sign of this righteous person Is that their intention Is more powerful even than their actions Their intention is more powerful than their actions It's the intention actually that's the, That is the seed. The, intention, the seed the seed of intentions We should be planting the seed of intentions As much as we can You know, we're in a community. We intend that we build families that are strong and and, and righteous. We intend that we have masajid that are full with people that are worshipping. We have intention that people grow in their knowledge and their understanding. We have intention that generation upon generation of believers comes. We have intention. We make all of these intentions. You know, and this intention then becomes even better than the deed that the person does. And they'll do good deeds. I think we mentioned that one of the things that they say about the, the awliya and the saniheen, about the righteous people, is that the hadith of the Prophet says that when you see something evil, and you, then you should change it with your hand. And if not with your hand, then with your tongue. And if not with your tongue, then with your heart, right? He said that the, the righteous people, they change it first with their heart. And then if they can't, they change it with their tongue. And if they can't, then they change it with their hand. Not because they're going against the sunnah of the Prophet them, Because their heart is so strong that sometimes it's sufficient. They have an issue in their heart, they make dua, it changes. So they didn't have to actually physically intervene. They, may, they intervene with their heart before that. So, uh, you know, their intention is better than their deeds. amanuhu min And their deeds speak louder than their words. their deeds speak louder than their words it's so important to study it's so important to study why it's like imagine the world you probably don't have to imagine it but imagine how the world is when you don't read any articles you just read headlines or you don't read any research you just read short blurbs or you don't study any books you just read the summaries it's not, it's not like a, it's very easy then to, for things to get off course, right? It's very easy for things to get off course. So you might find yourself, for example, in like a Muslim community, where the metric by which people understand things is by the eloquence of speech. You know, gave like the most powerful speech or, which can be a really good thing. Alhamdulillah, we've had beautiful speakers in our history. That's not an issue, right? But it, that and that's totally fine. As long as even with the most beautiful speech, their deeds are even more speak even more loudly than their beautiful speech. You see what I'm saying? So, it's like one of our uh, one of our dear teachers <laughs> we were talking about speaking, you know? And he said He said, actually, I don't like to speak very much. And truly, if you were to see him, he doesn't speak very much. He said, I don't like to speak very much because who am I to tell people anything? They're better than I am. All these people are better than I am. So who am I to tell them anything? But then they look to me because they want me to say something. So he's like, so then I just try to say something and I hope that it's beneficial out of making them happy. (laughs) What is the intention? The intention always to serve. It's not like, oh, I want to speak, I have something to say. It's like, the people are there, they expect me to say something. And even though I don't have any business saying anything, and they're better than I am, and who am I to give them any reminder? But well, I have to say something because then I'll like, make them happy. So I just try to say a little bit and then we move on. عَمَلُوا أَبْلَغُوا مِنْ know, The person's deeds are more eloquent than their speech. This next part is actually hard to understand in the Arabic, so uh, you're probably just going to have to trust my translation a little bit. So basically, what he's saying is what is it that holds together? So the first term is. Where does the person stand? What is it that gives them the strength in the place that they stand? The thing that gives them the strength in the place that they stand is an haq. Okay, i will translate all of them first and we'll come back. The person the thing that gives them the strength in the place that they stand is an haq, the truth. And the person that gives them strength, the thing that gives them strength in their intellect is an hayat. And the thing that gives them strength in their knowledge is in wara. I'll come back. And the thing that bears witness to them is taqwa. Okay, so this is his, his description of the person. What is it that makes their feet strong in the place that they stand? It's truth. Because they know that what they're standing on is the truth. This is something that's really important. right? Uh, in our relationships, in our community life, in our all kinds of things, sometimes there's some level of shaking that happens. right? Some shaking that happens. You get like, okay... So how do I figure out how I can get my feet firm? I figure out how I can get my feet firm by finding something that's true. Then I stand on that thing. And it's not always like a matter of uh, conflicts, by the way. Right? Maybe I'm in a conflict with someone and there's, there's, a, there's a level of shakiness that's happening because I'm in this conflict with this person. Okay, but what do I know for sure? I know for sure that this person is my brother. Okay, so I'm going to stand on that. I know for sure that we have a standing relationship. It's 10 years old. I know for sure that I'm going back to Allah, and this person's going back to Allah, and what I want is that when we go back to Allah, all of us are good with Allah. Okay, this is haq. Right? These are, so we find these things that are true. Universal truths. Absolute truths. When I have those things, then I can stand strong on those things. Right? So Mautinuhu what is it that gives this person their 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 strong standing? I know that's probably not what you think the translation should be, but I believe that's what the translation should be. What they give the strong standing is, is that they have this truth that they're standing on. And that's why subhanAllah, you see some of these people, to them everything is always clear. <laughs> like subhanAllah, everyone else is confused. But they're clear on it. And then when you talk to them about it, they just say something that's like one of these things. It's the absolute truth. You know? Okay. Alhamdulillah. Then that, that makes me firm. That makes my feet steady. And sometimes that requires us to check our intention, to check ourselves. You know? Like one of the... One of the some of the people, they, they said, some of the Shukh, they said that like, basically, if someone is... is doing something, and something happens and it shakes them to the point where they're not sure if they should be doing that thing they need to review their intention actually so why was i doing that thing maybe i was not doing it for the right intention maybe i didn't maybe i didn't put all the pieces in the right place you know like if all of the i'll put it this way, and i'm not saying anything about my intention but i'm saying something about like the idea we come together to study this text right it's a huge blessing. Come together to study this text. If the world was to end tomorrow, I wouldn't have regret that we sat here and we studied this text. Like that, we we're reading Imam al-Muhasibi, it would be like, alhamdulillah. Like, thank you, Allah. Huh? Even on New, Year? Even on New Year's. <laughs> Even on New Year's, you know. Like, alhamdulillah, Allah that you gave us a chance to sit and read these things. And to remember you, and to be in the company of righteous people, and to make du'a, and to think about you. Alhamdulillah you know. So uh, that's what they're standing on. Ma'qiluhu al-hayat. Ma'qiluhu al-hayat. What is the thing that gives life to their aql to their intellect? Is al Hayya It's a very interesting expression, actually. I-, I wish there was a comment on this from Sheikh Abdul Fatah, but there's not. Rahimahullah. So I'll have to venture into my own uh, feeling about it. Like what is it that gives their intellect strength is an haya. An haya is what? It's like shyness and and modesty, right? So you could just sit with that one. What is it that makes their their, their... Remember we made this distinction between knowledge and aql, ilm and aql, that the knowledge is the information that we get. And the aqn is the capacity to do something with that knowledge. right? It's this strength of, of thought and ability to think and ability to understand and things like that. So what is it that gives them, gives them that capacity? Is an hayat That they have this shyness and humility and modesty in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then they're always in the process of searching. They're always in the process of thinking. They're always in the process of contemplating. Like, yeah, what did the what did the Imam say? What did Imam uh, all the Imam say? But imam al-Shafi'i said, عنه, I get in the conversation with, some, or I think it was Abu Hanif is that My opinion is correct. I believe that it's correct, and it could be wrong. And my person I'm debating with, I believe that their opinion is wrong, and I also believe it could be correct. Right? So there's this hayat. It's like a, I have a shyness in front of Allah. That I have an opinion about this thing. But I know, Ya Allah, that this is not a matter of certainty. Uh, Some things are matters of certainty. Allah exists. We can think about it from the Haqeedah, go to Shaykh Fuad's classes. You have good reason to believe Allah exists. I have good reason to believe such and such and such. Many things, actually, it's hard to say them with certainty. So I have to have this shyness, this humility in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I'm in the process of... uh, Like we said before, when we're reading this text, Abu Ghuda will comment on the text. There will be a hadith in the text. Abu Ghudda, who's a great hadith scholar He'll come in the bottom and he'll say I didn't find it He won't say it's not a hadith He'll say I didn't find it I didn't find it in the text That I looked at, the sources that I looked at I didn't find this, but I have some humility That maybe it's in some other source Maybe it's somewhere that I didn't come across Maybe al Muhasib he had sources That I didn't have, I don't have, right He's 1, 000, 12, he's 1,200 years before me Maybe he had sources that I didn't have so I have to have some hayat, Some humility with this issue <الْوَرَعَة> He says عَلَى الْعَمِلِ بِالْوَرَعَ So It means that the knowledge The person The knowledge that he has It's The foundation of that knowledge Is wara. Wara is what It's like this Scrupulousness with Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala and I have some like Uh The stories that come to mind are always the stories of Umar ibn Abd al-Aziz right? The righteous ruler of the Muslims, Umar ibn Abd aziz he, always has, he has great stories of wara One of the ones that I, you know, always comes up is this idea that Umar ibn Abd aziz He was working on the issues of the Muslims And so he had the candle burning right? It's nighttime. he's working on the issues of the Muslims There's a candle burning And someone came to him to ask him like, a personal issue Right, So he finished what he was doing And he told the person Hold on a second And he lit the second candle And he put out the first candle The second candle is his personal candle Okay, The first candle is the candle That's paid for by the money of the people So if I'm de- not dealing with an issue Of the money of the people now I put out this candle I light my own personal candle Go ahead and ask me your personal issue right? This is warat This is a high high level of wara It's also about Umar ibn Aziz. If he was moving cologne or perfume You know, like itar And it was given to go into the treasury Of the Muslims That he would cover his nose while he moves it Like I don't even want to take a whiff of this It's not my right It's the right of the Muslims Thank you. It's the right of the Muslims, it's not my right I'm not going to touch this So this is The person's knowledge stands on the basis of wara Wara is an important word وَشَاهِرُهُ الْتَقْوَىٰ And what is bearing witness to this person is their taqwa. That's their biggest wit, the biggest evidence of who they are is that they have this taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. لَهُ بَصَائِلُ مِنَ النُّورِ يُبْصِرُ بِهَا وَحَقَائِقُ مِنَ الْعِلْمِ يَنْتِقُ بِهَا وَدَلَائِلُ مِنَ الْيَقِينِ يُعَبِّرُ عَنْهَا SubhanAllah So what happens? What happens when a person really tries to do this Islam thing seriously? They're trying to do this Islam thing seriously it means they've disciplined their actions like fully disciplined their actions they know exactly what they're doing Everything that they do, they know exactly what they're doing. They've disciplined their thought. they discipline disciplined their heart. As we said before, that some of the... Actually, I was reading... Uh, I don't remember where it was recently. Did I bring it? No, I said home. I think it was Shaykh abdul Qadr Jidani radiallahu anhu. He said, be, it struck me because in, in Egypt you use the term bawab, bawab, is like a term you use, right? The bawab is the person who watches the building, okay? Uh, he said, be bawabahu ala qalbik. Be Allah's bawab in front of your heart. <laughs> you know, like there's, the building, there's a building, this person watches the building. So Here's your heart. He said, be the bawab of your heart for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that you don't let anything in. If you don't you don't you don't you don't let anything come into the building unless you wanted it in the building. You take it out of the building if you don't want it in the building, right? Be Allah's bawab on your heart. He said, so the person now has done all of these things. They discipline their speech. Right? So their speech is intentional. And the words they use are intentional. And if they don't have something to say, they don't say it. And if they don't have anything to do, they don't do it. And if they have something to do, they do it with intentionality. And they protect their heart and they do all of these kind of things. So he says, now what is this? Because now he got to the end of the, all of the descriptions of this person. So what happens then of this person? That person then they have basa'iru minan nur yubsiru biha. That they have, they have uh, insights that come from illumination that are the means by which they see. So they look at something, they see what other people don't see. It's really amazing. You know? That's why uh, one of the things they say about some of these righteous people and stuff is that they see, they see in us what we don't even see in ourselves. Right? They see in us what we don't see in ourselves. Why? Because we look at ourselves and we have all of these things that are even clouding our perception of ourselves. You know, I see my shortcomings, I see my weaknesses, I see my mistakes, I see my, my flaws. I see all of these darknesses inside of myself. I see them. so I can't actually see myself the same way that someone whose heart is pure, they look at me, they see something else. because they see with the different, they see with a different vision. right? They see what's possible actually. So they see what's possible from, from every person and, and, and they bring that out in the people. Uh, so they have this insight, that comes from divine illumination that they see with and again this is not something that's uh, you know it's, it's something that was understood from very early uh, we always mention the story of what did Imam Manik say when he saw Imam Shafi'i Imam Manik now, Imam Manik was of course a very righteous person not just that he was a person of knowledge he was a very righteous person and a very pious person tremendous adab with Allah and with the Prophet وسلم, right? One of the things they always say about Imam Malik that Imam Malik came and, or if someone came to his home and they wanted to learn the hadith then Imam Malik would go and he would wash up and he would put on the nice clothes and he would burn incense and he would put on cologne and he would go out to narrate the hadith of the Prophet Allah right? Imam Malik was known to, he would walk barefoot around Medina because he would say, like, what if I put my foot in the place where the Prophet put his foot and I have a shoe on? He had no. These people were amazing people. They are people of taqwa, right? So Imam Malik, when he saw Imam al-Shafi'i, he said something. He said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ قَدْ قَدَفَ فِي قَلْبِكَ نُورًا فَلَا تُطْفِهُ بِظُلْمَةِ maasi he said, Allah has put in your heart a light So do not extinguish that light With the darkness of sin He saw this right This is their first interaction <laughs> He saw it right away He said, this, this young person is something special This person, Imam al-Shafi Is someone special Did he know yet that Imam al-Shafi Had memorized all of the muwatta In like 7 or 8 days I don't know if you knew that or not I don't know if he had mastered all of the knowledge of Mecca. And he said, I mastered all of the knowledge of Mecca. They told him, "Go to Medina. You have to see Madik." Right? His mother took him from Gaza. Actually, Imam Shafi'i was born in Gaza. May Allah give them victory and aid. And she took him to Mecca to get knowledge. And they told him the knowledge. You know, he said, "Here's the book of Madik." You know, he went to Madik. He said, oh, "You have light in your heart." So there's this idea that there's that this is a reality. There's realities beyond the physical realities that we see. And these people also, they have this righteous, this sadiq person. They have min minal ilmi yamtiquu minha. And they have true realities of knowledge that comes out in their speech. So there's some wisdom. You know, they say something, it's some wisdom. It's not necessarily that they got it from a book or they got it from somewhere, but it's something that Allah put in their heart. And they have... Uh, And they have these like indications that come from certainty that come out in their speech. So again, they have this certainty and the strength of heart, and those things come out when they talk to others. Uh, it'll come in a second. Here he brings this quote of Imam uh, Shaykh al Islam ibn Taymiyyah تعالى عنه. So very, it's a very—it's like one of these examples of something you hear it. And you're like, Subhanallah, Allah inspired what he said, right? He used to say, "Mayyus nāru." Uh, actually, Ibn Qayyim mentions mentions this. Uh, so he says, "Qāla li mārra." Ibn Qayyim was a student of Ibn Taymiyyah. He says, "Ibn Taymiyyah said to me one time, time, 'Mayyus nāru a'ḍāibī, ana jannati wa bustāni fi sadri. أين روحت؟ فهي أين فهي معي لا تفارقني إن 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 حبسي وإخراجي من بلدي His statement he said what can my enemies do to me what can my enemies do to me Then he said, why? Because my paradise and my garden is in my chest. My paradise is in my chest. I have it here already. And then he said, wherever I go, it's with me. It doesn't leave me. If they imprison me, then it's khalwa. You know khalwa? Khalwa, like when you isolate yourself to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he said, if they imprison me, it's khalwa for me. And then he said, and if they kill me, then it's shahada." If they kill me, then I die the death of a martyr. And if they exile me from my land, then they've sent me on vacation. (laughs) So, what are they going to do to me? Imagine this statement. What can they do to me? And it's not like someone giving a speech or something. It's the Sheikh talking to his student. They're having their personal conversation. He said, what can they do to me? What can my enemies do to me? I have paradise already in my heart. If if it's if this happens, this happens. If it happens, what does it doesn't matter, right? If 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 I'm imprisoned, it's khanwah and if I'm if I'm killed, it's martyrdom, and if I'm kicked out of my land, then it's vacation. I get to go on vacation. I get to travel. Subhanallah. He says, and he said to me one time. <laughs> look at this one. He said, "كان يقول في سجوده Allahumma a'inni ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husni ibadatika ma sha Allah ay yaqulu dhalika wa yukabbiruhu katiran jiddan he's in prison he used to make dua all the time oh allah help me to remember you and to be grateful to you and to worship you in the best way possible you just say it over and over over and over again when ni'san needs and then he says and he said to me one time al mahbus <laughs> man hubisa qalbuhu an rabbihi ta'ala wal he said, the person who's imprisoned is the person whose heart has been held away from their Lord. Right? So the idea is the imprisoned person is held. right? It's, it's, it's like so, so the person's heart has been remo- removed from their Lord. This is the person who's truly imprisoned. And the person who's truly captive is the one who's slave to their desires. The truly captive person is the one who is a slave to their desires. And we always say this, subhanAllah. People can talk about freedom however much they want. But if we can't overcome the most basis of our desires, we have no freedom. Uh, we're, you can be free from everything in the world. You're a slave to yourself. Okay, so what was all that freedom worth? And that's why in the, in the works of spirituality, as we've mentioned many times, they will always refer to the uh, people of high spiritual state, as an ahrar they're ahrar. they're people who are truly free. They've been liberated from everything that could uh, s- stop them from, from this freedom with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you see that Ibn Taymiyyah, what he's mentioning here, is kind of like a high level of freedom. I have nothing, nothing can, nothing can be taken from me, I have everything that I need. You know, SubhanAllah. is so one of the reasons why simplicity is very important. One of the sunnahs of the Prophet wasallam is simplicity, right? Everything that he did was very simple. Uh, it's not necessarily, you know, people can have, by the way, nice things and still be very simple. But it's harder in a way, you know, <laughs> because the reality is you get used to it, right? And uh, may Allah help us. وَإِنَّمَا يُوَاصَنُ بِذَلِكَ مَنْ جَاهَلَ لِلَّهِ تعالى نفسه واستقامت طاعته وحسنت نيته وخشي الله في سره وعلانيته وقصر الأمل وشمر مئزر حذر وأقلع بريح اللجئ في بحر الابتهان فأوقاته غنيمة وأحواله سنيمة لم يغتر بزخر في دار الغرور وَلَمْ يُنْهِهِ بَرِيقُ السَّرَابِ نَسِيمِهَا عَنْ أَهْوَالِ يَوْمِ النُّشُورِ فَفَازَ بِمَقَّامَ الْيَقَذَةِ بَعْدَ النَّوْمٍ غَفْلًا So he says the one who is able to accomplish this is the one who makes struggles against themselves for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as Allah said وَالَّذِينَ جَاهَلُوا فِينا لَنَهْدِيَنَّهُمْ سُبُ لَنَا that the ones who struggle in our way we will guide them to our paths. The ones who struggle in our way, we will guide them to our paths. So the one who's able to do this, the one who struggled against himself. And so because they make that struggle against themselves, their worship becomes established. Now their obedience becomes established. It's the default for them. Default becomes their obedience. This is possible, by the way. You know, It's, it's not like a, uh, Uh so this is possible. And and their intention becomes beautified and good. And they have fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the hidden and in the apparent. Okay. Maybe before it keeps going, I'll share what I was thinking about. Oftentimes you hear this idea that the nafs, the human self, is categorized into three levels, right? This is the most common, very common people hear this that there's the nafs al amara, and there's the nafs al nawama, and the nafs al mutuma'inna, right? So there's the, the base self that commands towards evil, lowest one, and then there's the self that's reproaching. It goes back and forth. It has some good days, it has some bad days, you know? <laughs> so sometimes it's pushing towards good, sometimes it makes mistakes, and then it reminds itself. So it's struggling. It's in the process of struggling, right? They make that mujahide we're talking about, they struggle. And then you have nafs al The nafs al-mutama'inna is the nafs that's at peace. It's the soul that's at peace. When you hear only these three, it makes you feel like... makes you feel like what? I'm just going to be struggling forever and it's never going to change. And, I, you know, that, that, that self that's at peace, that's only for, like, the greatest of people and, you know, I'm never going to get there. That's how you feel if you go with the three-apartheid three Classification. Many of the righteous people, they had a seven-part classification, not three. So the base one is nafs ammara still the same one. The nafs that commands to evil. It just tells you to do bad, right? Next one is still nafs al repro. It's going back and forth. Next one is nafs al-mulhamah. Nafs al That the nafs that has been somewhat inspired. Okay? Somewhat inspired So it's not quite at the, at the self That's, that's uh, at ease And tranquil but, but it's not at the same level Of this like, disruption of being back and forth All the time It's, it's more, more good than not But still it's a dangerous place Because they have work to do still Then the next level still Is number four, it's not number seven Number four would be That they get to the heart that's at ease then there's more levels beyond that those are the real the, the real big people nafs al radia and nafs al mardiya and nafs al kamiyah that there's i think this is the order that the nafs that is at content it's content right it's achieved beyond even being stable it's achieved contentment and then the level after that is the nafs that allah is content with it which is higher than the person itself being content higher level is allah is content with it is Radi with the person. And then the highest level after that is the al kamila. That's for the special people. and The nafs is completely pure. It's complete it's completed. It's full, full person. Okay? So why am I saying this is to say that like actually this level of the nafs al inna, the self that's at ease and tranquil, is actually possible for like people. For, right? A person can go through some level of mujahada and then they can make the struggle and they can get to the point. It's tikkamata'atuhu. That their, their, their obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now becomes the default for them. That's just, you know, they made the struggle. No one's like, we don't ever believe that like, okay, alhamdulillah, I did this and now I don't have to worry about anything. No, it doesn't work like that, right? Like we always stay on guard. But we do realize like sometimes maybe we had an issue and alhamdulillah we work through it. And it's not there in the same way that it used to be there before. It's not that I don't believe it can't come back. It can come back, so we stay on watch. But it's not there. It's not bothering me the same way that it used to. I'm not falling into these moments of despair, or these moments of um, depression, or these moments of of anxiety, or whatever the way that I used to feel before. And it's not to say that these things aren't like a lot of many things. The the mental health side and the spiritual health side go hand in hand. They're not. They're not. They don't. Um, uh, I'm not saying that you suffice by one and you leave the other. You can, you know, like sometimes we need mental health interventions and we need help. And and these things will work together, but we can overcome it. Inshallah, we can overcome it and we can become well and and we can become better and better. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us and give us people who can help us. Inshallah, I mean. I'm so, it's still early. I feel like I've been talking for twenty minutes too long already. I keep checking the time to be like, "Am I done yet?" I'm still getting close. Alhamdulillah. Wa qasara al amal. Wa qasara al amal. It's a very important concept that comes in spiritual. The books of spirituality it was. Uh, uh, which basically means that they. Tulul is, they consider it a spiritual disease. Tulul Amin, these long ambitions. This doesn't mean that you don't have plans, right? It's not that a person can't have a five year plan or a ten year plan or something like that. It's not saying that. But the issue here is that the person is so caught up on something that is very far in the future. And they get so caught up in it that they lose sight of the moment and they lose sight of the reality that they might not get what they're looking for in the future. Okay? So it's not, the, that's not necessarily a problem that a person says, okay, I'm in high school and I want one day to go to a good university and get a good education and have a job that's stable and have a family and all of these things. That's fine. Those are good things to intend, right? But the problem becomes if I'm so much looking onto those things that I forget that I have obligations in front of me right now and I lose sight of the fact that I might have those intentions but Allah might have a different plan. Right? And I'm not so committed to that thing that's in the future that it causes me to lose um, my standing in a sense with the qadr of Allah. You know? Um, so for example you might start an organization say that the year is like 2016 for example and you start an organization and you think to yourself inshallah we'll spend a couple years in like the base founding of the organization there won't be any money in it you know we'll just have gatherings and we'll bring people together and we'll try to build a community and so on and so forth and and hopefully with some time another stage will come and another stage will come and then maybe eventually we'll have a space when we have that space we'll do these kind of things in it and so on and so forth and then eventually you'll have even a bigger space and all this kind of stuff and we have all of us You can have like all of these dreams and aspirations, right? But if like it makes it so that you're not doing your work today, it's a problem. Or if it makes it so that when uh, maybe like a sickness encompasses the globe and everything shuts down and you have to give up everything that you and not everything, but some of what you worked for And what you're working towards And you had to restart this thing Maybe you have to restart Okay, Alhamdulillah, you restart So Allah had a different plan, right? So I have, it's a matter of how, how is, What's the positioning of my heart? Is it taking away of my immediate obligations? And is it taking away from my knowledge That I'm not, my life isn't guaranteed? You know, I, It's not guaranteed that I'm going to live that far To even see that in the first place? And is it taking away from my ability to stand with adab if the decree brings something else? Right? This is the issue with uh, long aspirations. Marcus, how are we looking on dinner? Is dinner Because it's potluck, it probably doesn't... Yeah. Is it automatically ready? Yeah. Alhamdulillah. That's great. All right. I'll just translate the rest and inshallah it doesn't need my belabored and long-winded commentary uh, which means that basically they roll up their sleeves when it comes to their um, uh, caution like they have a caution in their relationship with Allah I have this uh, so always balancing between hope and fear and that they <coughs> Um, they kind of like sail in the winds of turning towards the oceans of Ibtihal. Ibtihan is when you call upon Allah and you call out to Him and you speak to Him and so they, 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 they put th- that's the wind that fills their sails so all of their time is uh, uh, is like uh, they benefit from all of their time and all of their Ahwal are salimah and all of their states are sound and good, and they haven't been deceived by the decorations of this worldly life, uh, nor uh, the winds of beauty and like the the, mir- the mirage of this worldly life doesn't cause them to be heedless about the reality of the um, like uh, fearful things on the day of resurrection. And so because they're able to do all of these things, they that they have succeeded by attaining to the station of awakening after having been in a state of heedlessness. So they say that the first thing that has to happen with a person, normal people, they just live a life of heedlessness. They we see it right. You go from one thing to the next. Muslims and non-Muslims, by the way, people go from one thing to the next, and and there's not really any awareness. There's not an awakening that happens to them. The first thing is they have to awaken. So he says they do all of these things, and so they attain the station of awakening. After being in the being in a state of heedlessness, and being overcome by the sleep of heedlessness, they come to a position of awakening. And then that of course is the beginning of everything <clears throat> And the foundation of everything And we can't go on a path that, By which we improve ourselves If we're in a state of heedlessness We have to wake up to this say, That's why they say that the beginning of the spiritual path Is a لو'ah. It's like this um, It's like a discomforting It's like an agitation person has this agitation inside but like there's something that I'm missing that I want. And it starts to it starts to pick at them. And nothing will nothing will satisfy them until they pay attention to this and they give it some heed and they say, Okay, yeah, actually, I should pay attention to Allah. I should get my life right. I should make tawbah. I should turn back. There is meaning to existence. There is more to it than this. And only if they once that once that feeling is inside, and I say the person has to like really hold on to it and pay attention to it and nurture it so that it can grow into something that allow, that pushes them in their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know? So may Allah bring our hearts to life. Does anyone have any uh, comments or questions or anything before we make du'a and close? Yes. The bawab be the bowab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's, a, there's a. I can't. I have been trying to find the riwaya, but I can't find it. But there's someone who said this, from the early generation. He said that I, st- I stood at the door of my heart for forty years. I didn't let anything in except that I wanted it in there. <laughs> what a statement, you know? Like, it would be so amazing to meet these people. Yeah, he said, that, so the narration that she found was that... What was the beginning of it? Uh, he said, they said, what What were the deeds that you did? And he said, if it wasn't for the fact that my my death is imminent, I wouldn't tell you about it. And then he said, but... I've stood, at the heart, I've stood at the door of my heart for the last 40 years and anything that I didn't want in it, I prevented it from coming. It would be amazing to meet people like that. SubhanAllah. Anyone have anything? Referring to a nafs of inna, the, the nafs is being called and then uh, it's that same nafs that's being told to return back to Allah, uh Rabbi So I guess um, it's interesting there's a distinction that scholars draw between that muqtum'a and then the Rabbi Whereas like it seems like in that chapter they're all referring to the muqt like those attributes. Mm. uh i don't know i probably shouldn't reach on it uh, and i should probably you know read something on it. there's a nice book by a sheikh, his name is a Shabrawi. It's been translated. It's called Degrees of the Soul, and he outlines each each stage. Um, Shaykh Wadi Musad likes to teach it a lot. Hafidahullah. and um, yeah, I probably shouldn't reach. May if if I remember and I, and I um, if I remember and I look at it, inshallah, I'll bring something next week. Inshallah. I have some feelings about it but I don't trust them, so I should <laughs> try to find something. Anyone else have anything? Yes. Can you share your thoughts about like what when you hear um in numid Ahmed binating the relationship between the two? Okay.